How does AEW Dynamite answer back after the way it ended last week? We talk about that next on the Squared Circle Cycle Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, we start off with the AEW Interim World Championship. John Moxley versus Roosh. I'm not exactly sure how Roosh got this match, other than maybe because of his win at um, Death Before Dishonor this past weekend, but still gets it nonetheless. I did like that commentary did put up Roosh as a credible threat to beating John Moxley in this match. I like that Roosh, like Roosh had a, a really good match, I believe. I think he was physical in this match. I think he went toe to toe with Moxley. It actually made you feel like he was going to win this match, even with the involvement of Andrade possibly stealing this one for Roosh. We saw the Lucha Brothers come out. Uh, and, and, but obviously, Moxley ends up winning this match with the Death Rider. Uh, after kicking out of that, goes to the chokehold, passes out um, Roosh for the victory here. Before we get on to what happened after the match, what were your initial thoughts of this first match? Uh, the match itself, I thought, was very good. Um, the one thing that I think people are certainly going to be critical of is the fact that Moxley tends to bleed in just about every single match he's in right now. It's essentially his calling card. It's for some people. Some people are going to be critical of it. Um, and don't forget, going to the outside, too. It Like, literally the entire first half of this match was on the outside. And, and that's the thing. Like, you know, I... I, I I think we're starting to see a pattern with the Moxley matches, the redundancy to go outside, the blood and all that type of stuff. And right. that's certainly going to be a part of his gimmick. Um, but regardless, I mean, the actual match itself, what happened in the ring, I thought it was good. I thought that Roosh uh, was definitely very physical. He definitely works a very physical style, mm -hmm. as does Moxley. Some of the chops that they were doing were very physical. Um the one thing that obviously you kind of pointed out, and I certainly questioned when we were talking about this match, was uh, how did Roosh get this match? Uh, right. This kind of seems like one of those things where it was just like, accept it for what it is. If you're a hardcore fan, you know who this guy is. He's going to challenge for the title. But if you don't know who he is, you're going to be the odd man out. And then we can get into the whole conversations about rankings and leagues. And if it matters, if it doesn't matter, I'll leave it at this. Because last week I was pretty critical of AEW, so I don't want to certainly spoil what was a good show, I think. It was a good match. It was enjoyable. I question the rankings. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and I think there's a little bit more questioning as we lead down further on to the show if you want to question the rankings. But afterwards, we see Chris Jericho with the Jericho Appreciation Society come out. Angelo Parker trying to mock Roman Reigns. I think it fell completely flat, honestly, with the appreciate us line. And then we find out Anna Jay has officially joined the Jericho Appreciation Society. I, I'm not sure if this was a jab at Bianca Belair by saying she's the sexiest. And I forget the other term she used, but she used like two adjectives that ended in EST. I, I don't know if that was a jab at Bianca. I just thought, oh, that's interesting that they did that. Nonetheless, Jericho comes out after that and says that he wants the shot at the AEW World Championship because he never got his rematch. John Moxley responds by going, I'm, I don't want to deal with this sports entertainment bullshit. He doesn't want the, the pain maker, the... the whatever the wizard, the magician, any other stupid gimmick that Jericho's done recently. He wants to go back to the Lionheart. He wants to face the guy that was the last survivor of the heart dungeon. 
He wants that guy, and we're going to get that match in two weeks. Jericho versus Moxley, a rematch from 2020 Revolution, the last AEW World Championship before the world just crapped on itself. I'm excited for this match. I just have one thing I have to point out. Jericho is a heel in this storyline because he's pointing the damn obvious. Pro wrestling is sports entertainment. No one can define pro wrestling without it sounding like a sports entertainment. You can't. I don't care what you guys try to do in the comment section. Try to define pro wrestling without it sounding like a form of sports entertainment. You cannot do it. So anyone that tries to bash sports entertainment and this is pro wrestling just comes off like a hypocrite. And I think Moxley, while the promo itself was really, really good, it kind of is hypocritical because he's like, I don't want to do sports entertainment. Yeah, he's doing sports entertainment with that promo. And Moxley, correct me if I'm wrong, also worked a program where he supposedly had his eye gouged out or something to, of that matter. Yes. Um, that was he, the Jericho feud. And if he's not wrestling, if he's not having an actual match, he's cutting promos that are pre-taped in the back with barbed wire and all this other. So, look, I get what he's trying to do. He knows the fan base. He could definitely read the room. Um to me, calling out sports entertainment for a cheap pop has become as about as useful as flipping somebody off. It was cool back in the 90s when Steve Austin did it and it was edgy back then. Now everybody does it and it's like, who cares, man? Like, I get it. You want to portray uh, this guy that's anti-WWE and you want to be this guy that's going to be uh, edgy and the crowd's going to erupt for you and all that other stuff, but... I'd really, truly, honestly believe that um, there is a certain percentage of the fan base that as soon as they hear that stuff, they automatically turn it off or they they just shut off their mind and they're not into it. I know every time I hear I'm just like, that's stupid. It's corny, man. Like, get over it. It's 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 a cheap pop. Um, I just I think he's better than that. I know he can cut good promos. So why even go down that road? Right now, when consistently. I, when the when the Jericho Appreciation Society first formed, I said, I, 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 I didn't go back to the tapes, but I'm pretty sure I said something along the lines of Jericho's faction should go after these guys that try to separate pro wrestling from sports entertainment. And I actually think I mentioned Moxley when this first started. And here it is coming to fruition. And this is Tony Khan, while yes, mocking at the tropes that WWE does for entertainment, but also Tony Khan knows that pro wrestling is sports entertainment. He's not that dumb, you know? So obviously this is an easy way to create a baby face who he knows his fans are going to say, this is pro wrestling. Anything that sucks is sports entertainment. And Jericho, who we all know has his allegiance to Vince McMahon, even while still in AEW can play off the sports entertainer role and get cheap heat. And I have no problem with that dynamic knowing the situation, but you, you enable certain fans that go, oh, there's a difference between pro wrestling and sports entertainment. There's not. There's a difference between what AEW does and WWE does and New Japan and MLW and NWA and all these other promotions, but it's still the sports entertainment known as pro wrestling. Jericho was just involved in a match where people were hanging from a shark cage 
and they were fighting over a key. I mean, where do you draw the line? What is what falls into the pro wrestling category? What falls into the sports and entertainment care? I think there's certain companies that lean a little more left or right, depending on what they're trying to portray. And I certainly think that AEW uh, portrays more in-ring wrestling is more in-ring centric. But I also think that could be a fault in Moxley's match. People could point to that and say, well, why should we care? And not to say they're wrong. If you're a pro wrestling fan, you probably enjoyed that match because it was physical and there was high spots and you could get into it and, and it was good. Um, but then you're going to have other fans that are going to say, well, who's Roosh? Why should I care about this? I can't right. really say they're wrong for thinking that way. Right now, obviously the match was good. I I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in two weeks. I would not be surprised given the storyline with Jericho and sports entertainment versus pro wrestling. He beats Moxley for the title and then he faces CM Punk when he comes back. Because oh. who's the who's the face of this whole argument? CM Punk. And who Punk and Jericho have history. Yes. So, yeah, I mean if if they're going to do Moxley versus Punk, if that's going to be a a big match, you know, I think that they could probably do something else other than okay well he's the interim champion let's build this matchup around that you can build something there uh mm -hmm. jericho and and punk they already have a storyline that's kind of written in the past and they can revisit that right of course but let's move on to the next segment here the ftw championship is on the line ricky starks defends against Danhausen. i can't do the voice ralph you can but the match isn't that long but Danhausen actually gets a little bit of offense and nonetheless, he gets a huge elbow into Ricky Stark's neck, which whether it was a shoe or work, Ricky Stark sells the hell out of his neck injury, ends up winning with um, the one, two, three pin, cuts to the mic and says, I got plenty left in the tank. I'm being serious this time. Whoever comes out, I'm challenging for the title. Out comes Hook. Crowd erupts for Hook. Comes on out, chokes out Ricky Starks. We have a new FTW champion where fans, probably the huge biggest pop of the night, I think, was Hook winning the FTW championship. Yep. I, I thought, unless Ricky Starks is hurt and this is a way to write him off, and we're going to talk about what happened afterwards in a little bit, but I felt like they could have dragged us out a little bit to make a program out of Ricky Starks versus Hook Instead of just going straight to Hook just beat Ricky Starks, Ricky Starks gives him the fist bump and he, you know, does what he does afterwards. But perhaps there's a real injury in play and they're writing Ricky Starks off. If Ricky Starks is not hurt, let's assume he's not injured, mm -hmm. I would have actually loved for them to do an open challenge for this title and let him build this up because... You know, not only is Ricky Starks very good in the ring, but if there's one thing he's great at is it's promos and talking. Mm -hmm. His ability to go out there and just cut a promo week after week after week, building up to like, what? What's their next paper, big pay-per-view? All out? All out. Okay. So had they done this where, because I felt like there was a lot of good in here, but I felt like it was rushed. Because if you think about it, the open challenge lasted all of what? Two weeks? Yeah. Um, Last so week and this had week. They, Exactly. Had they built this up and, you know, I would have done the very same thing. I wouldn't have even had them kind of tease Hook versus uh, Starks. I would just have him show up, but I would have it on a bigger stage like All Out. And I would have it where um, 
uh, Ricky Starks would have won more matches during these open challenges. So the open challenge is more meaningful. Ricky Starks is more credible. Uh, Hook getting this win at a big pay-per-view is more meaningful. All that type of stuff would have got probably a better reaction from the crowd. And that's, that's saying a lot because the reaction he got was good anyways. But mm-hmm. I felt like they fit tried to fit like six weeks of storytelling into a 20-minute segment between the match uh, the hook segment and then the post post match segment. It was a lot. So right. I liked all of it. I just think that they could have spread this out over a period of time. Right now, I don't know if it's because, like I said, they might be writing Ricky Starks off, or right they tried to really like put a lot of stuff on this show for a lot of people to talk about, and they wanted to make sure that AEW is the promotion people are talking about this week, especially what's going on in the pro wrestling industry this week. Tony Khan might have brought all his guns out so that like people are talking about this dynamite. Nonetheless, after the match, Ricky Starks cuts a promo. It's a very big, like babyface promo, and crowd is behind him. And all of a sudden, powerhouse hops just clotheslines him, beats him up. So Team Taz has dissolved because of this. And now it's where you know you get sympathy for Ricky Starks. So he becomes he goes from a heel to a baby face within 20 minutes. And it was, it was a very good segment. If Ricky Starks is being written off, which is fine. Even if he's not hurt, just write him off for three, four weeks. Yeah. And then when he comes back, boom, he's going to get a huge return pot. No, I I agree. And I think that probably is the direction. Hopefully that they are going to go, but the obvious thing is, um, yeah, I, I team Taz. It seems like that's all, but, done and dissolved which i think is fine hook as a champion that's a good thing powerhouse hobbs uh hopefully getting a push that's a good thing and ricky starks we'll see what happens but him coming back as a baby face i think is good as well yeah absolutely and one guy that we weren't sure was going to be what was going to happen next for him after last week is eddie kingston and it seems like we finally we may have gotten that answer last night as sammy guevara versus dante martin is the next match here on dynamite very good match. Sammy Guevara obviously winning here. Beats down Dante Martin afterwards. But then Eddie Kingston with Ruby Soho. And I can't remember the third person there that all come out for the save and chase out Anna Jay, Ty Conti, and Sammy Guevara. So it appears the storyline is going to be at least Sammy Guevara versus Eddie Kingston. This might spread out to intergender tag team action where it's Eddie Kingston and Ruby Soho against Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti. Do you like that direction? Uh, I mean, I think Eddie Kingston's one of those guys that can certainly get over in any type of match feud, anything. He's great on the mic. Um, I would have hoped he would have moved to a higher profiled match or feud, especially because again, it seems like this keeps happening where guys feud with Jericho. There's, they get a win or they have a notable match. They have a credible win under their belt. And you know, I know Eddie Kingston didn't necessarily win, but going from Jericho, in my mind, going from a guy like Jericho to Sammy Guevara isn't necessarily a step up. If anything, it's a step backwards just because he's not as credible as Chris Jericho. He hasn't accomplished right. as much. Right. Um, but... They're getting some of their top talent back. We saw Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, sorry, uh, later on in the night. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I think we're getting Adam Cole, what, next week? Next Kenny week, Omega yeah. at some point. Um, Hangman Page hasn't been used prominently on TV. Wardlow hasn't been used prominently on TV. So 
Uh, they got to make more room for Eddie Kingston. And I guess if he's going to do something and he's going to feud with Sammy, that's better than nothing. Right. It still keeps the tie-in with Eddie Kingston versus the Jericho Appreciation Society. And whether his tie-ins to Blackpool Combat Club are still there, still to be determined. By the way, the third person was Ortiz, now that I remember that. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was Ortiz. I don't know how I forgot that. Nonetheless, um, it, it's just like, okay, is this feud going on too long with Eddie and the Jericho Appreciation Society? But if if there's finding different ways to to keep the, the story going without it being so repetitious, I'm fine with it. And okay, Jericho and Kingston had their feud. Now it's going to be Sammy because Sammy did cost Eddie Kingston the match against Jericho. So at least there's that tie-in and it could always be revisited with Jericho. I think eventually... Kingston needs to get that win over Jericho. If that never happens, that's that's poor storytelling and poor booking on Tony's part. But I think here he takes care of Sammy and then revisits Jericho. At least I hope that's the case. But speaking of reverting back and going, you know, keeping the storyline forward, Jungle Boy is up next. And... <laughs> I don't know if I could say some of the things he said without, you know, having censors or, I mean, we dropped a lot of F-bombs and S-words last week, but Jungle Boy took a, a freaking M-80 to a knife fight here. He just let everything out from the get-go with his first line, Christian Cage, you are the biggest pussy I've ever met. And I was like, whoa, I was not expecting that from Jungle Boy. Then he digs at Christian for getting a divorce, which I didn't even know he was divorced. I didn't know or that getting either. a divorce. I didn't know that either. So he digs at him. Then he digs at his, you know, small prick. Which is that the same thing as talking about someone's small balls or big balls or whatever? I guess that would be the case. Pro wrestling, sports entertainment, not the same thing. Oh, okay. Nonetheless, I know some people said that. Jungle Boy might have gone a little too much into like the swearing and the yelling. But to me, this was warranted given the situation of the storyline where Christian just just kept digging and digging and digging into Christian or into Jungle Boy. He had four or five weeks of pent-up frustration and just let it all out here. I am I love this promo, and this is what Jungle Boy needed. This is the part where they're like, yes. This is where we want it from Jungle Boy. Some, some aggressiveness, some ruthless aggression. It came out in this promo. It certainly did. And, you know, I know some people were saying, oh, it was only effective because he was swearing and because it was, uh, he, he was yelling. But I, I certainly didn't get that because if we think back to any of the other promos he's cut, they just haven't been good. It was the way he delivered it, the, the confidence he had while he was talking. Mm -hmm. um, I, I agree 100%. I mean, based on everything Christian said, now all of a sudden we're going to complain that Jungle Boy was too edgy or said things that he shouldn't have said. I mean, no. I, don't, I don't get that at all. Let's not pretend Christian didn't come back with his own retort. That was certainly... Uh, uh, colorful in, in comment. So right. I, I, I still am invested in this feud. I said at the beginning, I think this is going to be the feud that gets the very best out of Jungle Boy or gets him to that next level. And, and if it means him going out there and um, cutting a promo like this to, to get to that level, I'm fine with that. Right. And at least they also explain the Luchasaurus turn back to Jungle Boy. It's like, 
Christian Cage can use Luchasaurus to protect him all he wants, but this is my best friend. He's not going to turn on me. Simple to the point. Love that. Absolutely love this segment. I think the segment of the night, honestly, very, very good. And, you know, this whole storyline has been probably AEW's best story of the summer. And this better lead to a money match at All Out. Right now, I, I mean, depending on what else is developed for the card, but right now it's sitting at that semi-main event level. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the, the match that I think most people would look forward to. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. But after that, we got a backstage segment about with the Young Bucks. Now, in case you missed it, because it was kind of just dropped after the first match, the AEW is bringing the trio's titles to AEW. People have been asking for this for a very, very long time. And we're going to get the first champions crowned at All Out. Now, I, looking at the belts, they kind of have like a, a winged eagle meets the old WWF tag team championship look to them. And I actually like the design of them. I, I actually like the design of the trio's titles. But nonetheless, backstage segment, Brandon Cutler is talking to the Bucks on the Cutler cam, trying to pitch his you know say in trying to form a trio's team with the Young Bucks. And the Young Bucks are like, Cutler, no, you're not going to be on our trio's team. In comes Hangman Page. They're, you know, awkwardly trying to get a conversation going. You know, it's Hangman Page's birthday recently. It's Nick Jackson's birthday soon. You know, and then all of a sudden the Dark Order comes and they're celebrating Hangman Page's birthday. And then the Young Bucks walk off. Now that we know that the Undisputed Elite is going to be back next week. Where does this leave Hangman Page? Where does this leave Kenny Omega? Do we know? That, did we just see what the, the trio's championship is going to look like at All Out? Is it Hangman in the Dark Order versus Kenny and the Bucks? Adam Cole and Red Dragon? Like, where are we going from here? I actually am interested to see where this leads to. Well, uh, Dax Harwood actually tweeted out, he talked to CM Punk and he said that he would come back to be, uh, the third of that team. So, right. They can throw their name in the hat as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if you're a hardcore fan of AEW, you're definitely looking forward to this because they, they've always talked about being dedicated to tag team wrestling. They've always kind of focused on three man tag matches, four man, however many people, um, some people love it. Some people hate it. Mm-hmm. I think that this will be a good way to get more people on the show. Um, because you know, right now they have a hard enough time finding enough time on air for guys like Wardlow and some of the other singles guys that should be getting pushed. So, I mean, I, I think it's good and bad. I think I want to wait and see what they do with the titles. All right. Well, obviously it is definitely a wait and see, but let me know in the comments who you guys think will be the first AEW trios champions but next up we have handicap match action swerve strickland against smart mark sterling and tony niece for the most part it was a one-on-one match between tony niece and swerve strickland you know revisiting their time at 205 not so live on the wwe network uh pretty good there but then tony niece accidentally gets kicked into sterling and the ref calls it a tag sterling tries to avoid getting into the ring for the most part. Tony Nese 
stays in the ring for the most part while the ref refuses to count him out. Then eventually Nice gets thrown out, stopped on by Swerve. Sterling gets in finally, gets kicked in. One, two, three, and Swerve Strickland wins. Afterwards, we see in the back, Keith Lee on the ground and looking up is Josh Woods. I'm not familiar who Josh Woods is. Apparently, he's done some matches on Dark. Apparently, Smart Mark Sterling has been scouting him. I hope this isn't apparently where the tag team championship is leading to because FTR have been the number one ranked team for 17 straight weeks and are not in the damn title picture. I believe Josh Woods was from Ring of Honor. I recall watching him in, what was that tournament they did during the pandemic? The Pure? The Pure Championship? Yeah, I believe he was in that. He might have even made it to the finals. I'd have to check, but I want to say that was him. I remember watching him, at least in some matches in Ring of Honor. Um, He's very good. He's young. Obviously, he's a physical specimen, whatever you want to call it. Um, I agree. I feel like FTR has so much momentum right now that literally they they need to be the team that challenges for the titles at All Out. I I don't see Mm -hmm. how you can go in any other direction. So if this means, you know, uh, Swerve and Keith Lee versus these two guys at Dynamite next week, two weeks from now, I'm fine with that. Whatever, but you know, FTR really, sh- I th- I do feel like should be the team that gets the next chance to run with those titles for quite some time. I I totally agree, and the fact that it's been 17 weeks, like come on, I thought rankings mattered here, and again, not seeing it. But next up, we have Thunder Rosa versus Maya Yama Yamashita. I think is how you pronounce it. I I think that's my only attempt at the name. I know JR didn't even attempt on it on commentary, but this match was good. This was a very good physical match. Yamashita, I think I pronounced the name right. Um, just her kicks are really, really good. I think the chemistry between her and, and Rosa was very, very good in this match. Obviously, Rosa's going to win this match because this is Yamashita's United States TV debut. And given that she won in Japan, to win this title opportunity and it was an eliminator match or whatever, which I think is the first time the challenger won an AEW eliminator match to get a world title. I could be wrong in that, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. And the fact that it wasn't even on AEW television was kind of comedic to me, but at least they showed it on television, like a recap of, okay, here's why we're having this match, which is fine. And, uh, Overall, I was impressed by her. I really was, and this was a very good match, in my opinion. I I do think it was a really good match. Um, I definitely think it's a match that they needed to have uh, on AEW with the women's, you know, the the women, the state of the women's division, if you want to call it that. Because you know, if there's been one division that I think people have been critical of or asking for asking more of, or the fact that they don't get enough TV time, it's been the women's division, and the fact that they went out there and put on a good match. I think that's a good way to represent the division. So that was all good. Um, And I think Thunder Rosa needed to have a good match because she's really been kind of just regulated to cutting these backstage promos where she gets interrupted and all that type of stuff. So um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I thought this was good. Yeah, it really was. But let's head to the main event. Brian Danielson returns after an injury hiatus since um, double or nothing. And we see him back here against Daniel Garcia. 
So believe it or not, Daniel Garcia pulls the upset on Brian Danielson. Yes, it was with the help of Jake Hager. Yes, Brian Danielson didn't necessarily tap out. He passed out to the sharpshooter. But most of this match was telling the story of, you know what? He hasn't been in the ring for a while. Ring rust. What is the severity of the concussion? He's selling his head injury. And, you know, there's a point where he went off the top rope and was out, knocked out for a little bit. He gets DDT'd onto the concrete and the doctors are checking him during the picture and picture break. So I, I like the story being told here. But what are your thoughts on Daniel Garcia beating Brian Danielson on an episode of AEW Dynamite? Uh, I definitely think it's shocking. I think sometimes you need to do things like this. Um, I guess it, it all plays when he, as he passed out, I guess it plays into the whole story they were trying to tell throughout the match. I don't know. I, I, I obviously Brian Danielson's one of the top guys that they brought in from WWE, just like Moxley. Moxley's uh, career and all his wins have been heavily protected. I would have thought they would go to the same extent as to with with Brian Danielson. Um, I guess we kind of kind of we got to wait to see how the story plays out with all of this. The one thing I'll say is this: last night, a lot of Jericho Appreciation Society almost. Mm-hmm. Almost way too much for me. That's one of my criticisms because uh, you had Sammy Guevara. He won. That's fine. Uh, you had Daniel Garcia go over one of the top guys. Jericho comes out. He cuts his promo. He's on commentary. It had to be a good solid, what, like 40 minutes to an hour that was dedicated to to them. Um, yeah. You got, you got a point there. You got a that's point. A, that's a bit much for me. Right. Now, I think with Garcia... Obviously, there's a lot of fans that are behind Daniel Garcia. And when they mentioned the new four pillars, he's thrown in there with Wheeler Yuta and, you know, put two other names in there. It's usually rotating those last two. But Garcia and Yuta are those two. And we've seen Yuta get some wins on, on television. But it seems like every time Daniel Garcia is on either Rampage or Dynamite, he's going up against big opponents, whether that's Punk or Brian or Moxie or whoever, and he loses. It gets to a point where it's like, all right, so he's facing Daniel Garcia. This should be a win. But then it doesn't happen. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now we're not going to assume Daniel Garcia can't win against these top talents. It's like, you know, in sports sometimes, you know, I remember as a kid, the Broncos were undefeated. Going into the Giants like week 12 or 13, something like that. And the Giants were terrible at this point. Like, if they were eight and eight, it was a good season for them. And I think Kent Graham was the quarterback, or maybe Danny Cannell, one of them. Could have even been Dave Brown. One of those three, and they, none of them are in the Hall of Fame and won't ever be. And they beat the undefeated Broncos. So it's like any day it could happen. So, and it happened here, granted, through nefarious means, so the heels get heat. And I will say this, Daniel Garcia, in this match, did a good job working the crowd, even when, like, there were times they were checking on Danielson. He did a good job working the crowd, which is a very underutilized heel tactic in today's wrestling today. 
I will say he needs to work a little bit more on his character. I think sometimes, especially when he's doing promos, it feels forced. Like he's trying to play a tough guy, but he's not a tough guy. He's got to work on that to make it more believable. But in ring wise, he's a very good wrestler. I think. I think he, I think he's good. I, to me, him and Wheeler Yuta are so similar in the sense that they're definitely undersized in comparison. I mean, even in the match with Brian Danielson, who's a guy that is undersized by comparison, he's small uh, com- compared to him. And I know guys, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, it's not about the size of the guys and all the technical, re- I get it. But at the same time, he, I mean, look, you can't put that guy in the ring with a guy like Wardlow and be like, and expect anybody to to truly buy that. Um, well, if Orange Cassidy can can go toe-to-toe with Wardlow. Now anything's possible. Well, in any event, uh, <laughs> it was a good physical match. He's a good technical wrestler. Um, I I agree. I, I think that there's so many of these guys that just rely on being this. Pete Dunn's another guy. Like this, this undersized guy that I'm going to portray myself as just like a badass. We've seen it a million times. Taz is on commentary. Mm. Taz did it better than anybody back in the 90s. You know, he right. was five foot something and he made you believe he was going to kill you. Um, right. I can't say I get the same impression from a guy like Daniel Garcia or Wheeler. And even it's little things like taking, I think two guys did this yesterday. I know I've seen Wheeler Yuta do it. Some guys bleeding. They're either wiping it on their face or they're licking the blood or they're wiping it across their chest. This goes into the book of just pro wrestling stuff that's been overplayed. We've mm-hmm. seen it a million times. Like that's not original anymore. Um, right. But anyway, uh, I, I don't know what this is, what they plan to do with Daniel Garcia. Guess we'll see, but, um, right. They're definitely pushing Jericho appreciation society pretty heavily right now. They are, which means someone's got to knock them down. So let us know who's going to knock down the Jericho appreciation society and what your thoughts were on fight for the fall this week in the comments below. Don't forget to share us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SDPV Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psychobabble.